Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros. And welcome to another edition of Leave It in the Ring. I'm your co-host, Dave Montoya. Uh, and joining me, as always, is David Duenas. Dave, are you there? I am here, man. How you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, um, I'm trying to get on so that my, you know, the sound is a lot better, but it's just not happening. As always, uh, after January, I'll have it up to par you know, in terms of having better quality and sound and stuff. But there's some, there's something I wanted you to read. Can you can you do that for us right now for the beginning of the show? Yeah, let me set the table. Um, so this weekend, you know, we're, we're going to look back and uh, look ahead in this fight uh, or in this uh, episode of Leaving in the Ring. Um, we'll look ahead to uh, this weekend's fights, but also back at Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin. But uh, there was a replay this weekend of a fight that happened uh, a week ago, um, or, you know, two weeks ago now, uh, Gennady Golovkin right. versus Canelo uh, Alvarez. Two, this time it was a majority decision. It was for Canelo. The first one was a, a much disputed draw. You and I both thought that Triple G won, didn't get the decision. Uh, Jim Lampley of HBO, who's a blow-by-blow man, um, had something to say about that fight and, and what he thinks about where Canelo and or rather uh, Golovkin is at, at this time in the sport. So, uh, and what's added, added to the triple G the fans replay. that wanted to blind about the fact that it was a very close fight, a very close fight that a lot of rounds could have swayed either way, but they're still going off of that 12th round. They believe that that 12th, that 12th round that if the judges would have got it right, that their guy would have won. Not looking at the other rounds. The other rounds that were very disputed, you know, the other rounds that, that could have went either way because it was so hard to judge, that all of a sudden we're just dependent on this one round. And that's what I well, thought that was kind of telling with uh, uh, um, Jim Lampley. Go ahead. So what he says is, uh, a year ago, this is uh, you know, the, the text of what he, what he said, a year ago, it became that two better colossally, colossally evenly matched in terms of the technical markers judges look at while scoring. The two judges scored the first fight responsibly for a round apart, 14-114 and 15-113. Last Saturday night, that point was reinforced two 115-113s and another 114-114. And through all the other painting scrutiny, the two decisive scorecards gave a tumultuous 12th round, a very hard round to score, to Canelo Alvarez, making him the official winner. Which reminds us there is no sport in the world whose official structures are more disdained and disrespected by fans than those of boxing. And this becomes another reason why, Lampley said. Uh, is, you know, I'll just dispute that, you know, didn't the NBA have some guy that was, uh, you know, betting on games? 
and like you know, I mean, we've had corrupt refs in other sports. Uh, if you're calling these refs corrupt, or or even if you're just calling them inept, I mean, you should see my Twitter timeline uh, when it's College Saturday, uh, you know, or or Professional Sunday of any sport. Uh, no one likes the refs in any sport. Uh, Lampley continues because while boxing insiders remain interested within the arcane world of governing bodies and title belts and state commissions and official judges and all the technicalities over which they preside, the general public has made a different and far simpler decision. By the general public, that's you and me, Dave, by an overwhelming majority, fans and general media have decided Gennady Golovkin under both fights. Uh, they don't need to confuse themselves with copy box numbers and round-by-round scoring and technical analysis. Via the trick of social media and among themselves on the street, they have spoken loudly again. They like the way Triple G competes. They love the passion his face projects. They are enthralled with his heart. When Muhammad Ali was judged a loser in his first fight, well, can we stop right there? Uh, social media does a lot of things. Uh, social media does a lot of things. Uh, illuminate the Truth isn't like number one on that list. Um, and I would say that HBO has spent decades since their inception or the inception of Copybox confusing the audience into thinking that that's actually a way to score a fight, uh, that, that it's accurate, um, and that the four scoring criteria somehow are, there are actually six. Copybox would be what, what whoever the color guy is there, you know, whether it's Max Kellerman's The Story of the Fight. Uh, you know, Larry, you know, offering his point of view of what the fight's going to be, and then seeing if it fits. Well, Larry was good at seeing a fight as it goes, or you know, would Lampley would pick the best weapon of the guy that he liked and talk about that all night, like Kelly Pavlik's jab in the rematch versus Jermaine Taylor, or Oscar De La Hoya's jab against uh, Felix Trinidad, or Gennady Golovkin's jab uh, in the new fight, or this fight uh, in particular. So. It, the four criteria are the four criteria. That's what the judges are looking at. They're thinking about copy box or stories of the fight. So uh, to, to, to kind of say that they can throw those things off without admitting the complicity of HBO and adding those things in and confusing the matter is a little disingenuous. You know what's funny? Is you've compelled my career, your career, Ernie Onesto's career. There's a lot. There's a lot of times that you know. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of years now that we can honestly kind of weigh in. So, Ernie, you're all live right now. What do you think about this? What do you think about what uh, Jim Lampley did? You know, honestly, it, it's part for the course for him. It's just one of those things where you you expect him to have some insane hyperbole regarding a fighter that he's enamored with, and you know he doesn't disappoint. I mean. He's about as reliable in his hyperbole of a fighter as, as a Swiss clock or a Swiss banker, if you want to put it that way. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where you just you, you kind of have to tune him out in order for you to get a, a fair assessment as to whether the fight is, is actually what he's uh, uh, narrating or whether you're seeing something different. What do you think about when a, when a fan says, you know what, this, is ha- this happens every time a fighter finally hit a pinnacle of their career that they become this icon that every one of their fans just kind of become delusional. Well, I mean, I, mean, that, I think that's also, true, right? I, I, I actually think it's very, uh, it's the, the parallels between 
you know, sports athletes, sports icons, and music bands is, is very similar. I mean, you get a band that nobody knows about, you know, you start rocking with them, you know, they start putting out, you know, really, really good quality, you know, good quality product, and then people start catching on. And then it gets to a point where they become not only this cult band, but now this really popular cult band to where, where you, you start gaining these people that, that get this status that, you know, in, in, in their eyes, they can do no wrong. And, and if they, and if you do criticize them or you do critique them, it, you're, you're slamming them or you're, you're being, you know, you're giving them a disadvantage because, because you just don't like them or you're, you know, of course the, the, the in phrase is right. you're, you're just a hater, you know, and, and it's, it's, my it's, big, pro- it's my big problem, scary. this is my, this is my big problem is that when you have a guy like this big drama guy that's on Twitter, okay, who has the uh, Triple G culture, and he thinks that Gennady Golovkin is the only person that's made multi-million dollars from coming from a country that didn't bring that with boxing and then carry a sport off his back, thinks that that's the only reason why he should have won. To me, that, to me, tells me, the narrative of everybody else that's kind of backing him up. It's like, guys, did you not watch his career in the beginning? Didn't this little, didn't this little Filipino kid from from the island, right. of, uh, you know, which is basically a a poor island, didn't he kind of carry a sport for a while? Didn't a right. little, uh, didn't a, a very beloved Puerto Rican fighter with a mean left hook carry his island for a while and carry the sport for a while? I mean, yep. You, you're going to get these foreigners, you know, non-U.S. based fighters, who are, are going to, you know, endear themselves to the crowds, you know, to a boxing and that. There's nothing wrong with that. Where it becomes funny is, is kind of like the Manny fans, where he could do nothing wrong. The Tito fans, where, I mean, to this day, they still think that he beats everybody in, in, within sight, including Ray Robinson. You know, it's just, that's the nature of the sport. That's what we deal with. And, and, and now it gets now you know, Golovkin's turn where we have to kind of wade through the BS that his fanatics, you know, and, and let's not forget this, you know, the term fan comes from fanatics, you know, and, and fanatics are basically, you know, people who are, are, are overly zealous for the, for something that they really stand behind. You know, and Golovkin's so no different. This, and, let me ask you guys this question. Canelo, well, obviously, one of the one of the one um, defense he has to do is against one of the Charlo twins, right? If he yeah. doesn't do it, he's ducking the kid. When at what point do we have to admit he doesn't duck people, or he doesn't duck what people want him to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when do we give him his props finally? When do we finally say, okay, this kid will do it, whatever the fans say? Because let's think about it, guys. Every time somebody says, and, and I'm one of the people that have said he won't do this, he's done it. He actually, he's yep. one of the fighters. Name another fighter right now that actually listens to the to the fans or media and steps up and says, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't know another fighter that will do that right at this moment right now in this period of this of this generation right now. I just don't know of another fighter that would say, I'm going to prove. The fans and the media wrong. I, I well, agree. I'm not, you know, I, go ahead, Gabe. I don't really have a strong opinion. I, I was going to read the rest of the speech, the part of that that bothered me. <laughs> um, yeah, Gabriel. 
because while Bach insiders remain imprisoned with it in the arcane world, oh, I already read that. They're enthralled with his heart. That's where he left off. Uh, when Muhammad Ali was judged a loser in his first fight with Joe Frazier, Lot was on record as a result. Many in my generation were crestfallen. But then we learned something. As Ali's aura only grew bigger and Frazier had to deal with the reality that the numbers on the scoreboard, uh, scorecard did nothing to diminish the love the audience felt for their hero. Okay. Triple fans clearly are still you know, really with him. Uh, now Triple G is something of a Lauderdale day Ali, a global superstar, seen as having been twice martyred by the hidebound and impenetrable processes of a sport that can't get out of its own way. Canelo's victory, satisfying <laughs> at first, will ultimately do little to increase the audience. Built in from the start as the result of his favorable cultural perch as the face of Mexican boxing, decisions which have frustrated Gennady Golovkin have dramatically multiplied the size of Triple G Nation, which is now a global cult. You don't have to win to be the winner. That's boxing. That's life. Uh, I mean, for one, I think Canelo is earned his spot. You know, he was put on, you know, a mock trial on TV by, like, Nacho Beristain and Marquez. And, you know, they, they, Nacho would call them, uh, when Canelo was coming up, the murderer of old men. Like, this is after Baldemir. You know, like, they didn't think much of him. They thought he was kind of a fraud. I'm sure the white skin yeah. and red hair might have something to do with it, you know, that everybody's kind of like he's a gimmick. Um, he's had to fight for it. Much like Oscar is, is kind of, was in his, uh, uh, for, you know, he was a Mexican American trying to be a legit Mexican and, and that whole thing for him. I think Paul's going to have to put that too. Um, but it's not like an easy perch. And when you say that, that Mexicans are also maybe used as cannon fodder in this sport, to the idea that, that being Mexican and boxing is the most favorable thing to be, I don't know, especially not in 2018. Being yeah, Mexican isn't exactly, nope. you know, uh, no. the, the welcome guy at the party. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, I, I think, you know, just the way it, it just got pulled. I mean, in a large part, I, oh. I, I get where he was coming from, and, 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 and I understand you know, the, the sensationalism that Mr. Lampley put forth, but I think him picking out Ali was just all wrong. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about a cultural icon, um, someone that shape-shifted well, how we think. Go ahead. Oh, just the numbers are like, what, 1.1 million pay-per-views? So, so yeah. dramatically multiplied. Really, I didn't, the numbers don't don't reflect that. And I don't know. Yeah. It's Jim's job to be, you know, hyperbolic, hyperbolic, you know, but I don't know. It's yeah. just the Ali thing. It also, it's just like, let the guys have their careers. Let's find out right now. Triple G yeah. is a guy. He's Hawkins without big win. Right. Different errors, man. Yeah. Different errors, different, diff, different, you know, just, this is what I look at when we live in different errors at the same time. Why do we not allow these fighters to stand for different, you know, reasons? Why are yep. we comparing them? And at a certain era, that there were certain things happening. I, I didn't, hear, I didn't hear nothing from Triple G talking about, oh, uh, 
let the Mueller uh, uh, investigation continue, or let let the women with Kavanaugh, you know, um, um, speak. I didn't hear nothing of that. He's not political. So why are we comparing a fighter that was political to a guy that's not political? The guy that's actually saying, hey, all I want is the belt, and I want to make the money that I deserve, et cetera, et cetera, and he felt like he got slated from. I don't see that. So why, do we, why are we bringing this up from Jim Lampley? It doesn't make any sense. He's a prize fighter. Um, you know, Golovkin, in, 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 at its core, he's a prize fighter. He capitalized on the situation where a, a fan base was looking for someone to get behind. They, he was successful in that with the Mexican style. I, you know, and I got it. I actually understood right. that point. You know, he, you know, it gravitated a lot of a large fan base towards him. You know, and and for them to say, you know, it's for him, for them to be, you know, put him, categorize him into anything other than a prize fighter, is a little bit of a reach, simply because. You know, I didn't see Ali. Well, you, you know, know, jumping into in, into a Jordan line. Tom Offer line. did it great. I mean, Ernie. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Tom Offer did the whole Mexican style. A lot of Southern Californian yep. Mexicans fell into that. Okay, not a lot of Mexican people yep. from Mexico didn't fall into that. Now he does it again, and because because the fact that Tom Offer goes the people's champ, so Jim fell into yep. that, and guess that's the narrative that came out of it. Ali, oh. The people's champ, let me attach that what Ali would do. There's a huge difference. And that's what I'm saying. You know, look, it's creating something that's not there. And there's other folks. Like, if you go with Kaepernick, Kaepernick didn't create something that was already there. I mean, in, in terms of another, uh, uh, of another uh, celebrity trying to, he actually was going off of something that was actually there. And people mm-hmm. didn't like it. There's a huge difference, and that's what I have with Jim. You know, like, Jim, come on. You know, you, here's another thing. The, the, the Triple G fans, the cult fans, okay, they were bashing HBO. They were bashing them, saying that, oh, they're all for Canelo because Canelo, you know, has another contract. He doesn't have another contract. The con- both of the contracts were up. But they were saying, like, oh, this is who they want. Now Jim Lampley does this. Now all of a sudden, with Jim Lampley – Said this week, not prior to the week, the week and the day the fight was happening, it wasn't gold. And that's what I'm saying. It's just it's wrong. Like if you're a fight fan, you look at the fight and look at a very divisive. You, you decide to go, hey man, this is what happened. This is how it goes, and then we go with that. You don't sit back and go, well, this because this guy said this, and this is what we're gonna roll. I just don't like it. I just I, I hate the fact that this how, how the fans have become. You know, when people could tell me about the whole casual fans, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. But you know, when people go, the casual fans are killing the sport. Actually, casual fans are the ones that keep the sport alive. Asking actual exactly. casual fans, yeah. Asking ask, ask actual casual fan who they thought the, the, the uh, who won the fight, and they're gonna tell you the truth because there's no gain from it. They they really yeah. don't care about neither one of the fighters. They they actually supplement the sport that we that we love so dearly. I mean, they're the ones who pay. Yep. They're the ones who will go out and buy the Jordan line. I mean, granted, the hardcores will, but I mean, they're the guys who who rally behind the fighters and and and, and you know, actually buy the product. I mean, I mean, you've seen it and Gabe's seen it. Whenever we're on the timeline, right. 
we got most of these hardcore boxing fans looking for a free stream of what, you know, casual fans will pay for. So, I mean, so for, for people that just miss casual fans, you know, I've never been a fan of that. It's because they're the ones who buoy our, our sport. They're the ones who you can kind of, I mean, if you get someone who's genuinely interested in boxing, you can sway them into maybe not being a hardcore fan, but at least a, 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 a habitual viewer of our sport, you know, and then. Yeah, I mean, they'll give, us, they'll, give us, they'll, they'll give us the whole, you know, you know uh, uh, McGregor ha- may have a chance in a rematch. I mean, those are cringing things. But when it comes yeah. to the actual, the actual event, like with Canelo and Triple G and a rematch, a lot of casual fans bought into it. They wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They got a great fight. It was a phenomenal fight. And they're the ones that are going to tell you who they really thought won. And the majority of casual fans that I listened to, they said, man, I thought it was a draw. Others go, I thought Canelo won. Others swayed. Triple G one. That tells you everything you need to know. When you hear, like, yep. you know, when I see Boxing 360 telling uh, 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 um, Roberto Diaz, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, posting shit on Instagram, who, who the celebrities or the media said, guys, you're not mm-hmm. listening to the people that actually paid to go see it. See, because celebrities didn't pay to go see it. They got comps. Yep. The tickets oh, were yeah. comped. You know what I mean? You know, so yep. I want to listen to the people that actually paid to go see it or watch it on television or watch it on the stream. Those are the people that are going to tell me the truth because they paid for that event. And when I see that, a lot of people are saying, well, dude, I thought this, this is what I saw and this is what I thought. That's very telling. Rather than a promoter whose job is to say, which I, I give again, Tom Offer, I give him all the props in the world again. He's doing another one by tagging his name or tagging his father's name, the People's Champ, because people are falling into it once again. Triple G didn't fight Mexican style. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. He just didn't do it. And when a Mexican finally showed up, like my, 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 like my partner, uh, uh, Montoya said, when a Mexican finally showed up, Guess what happened? How'd you have the twelfth, Ernie? I I saw it the first time and I gave it to Canelo, but I've not watched the replay. I got to be honest with you, I've not watched the replay. So I will say I I have Canelo winning that round, but I will go back and actually I'll watch it today tonight. Yeah, I but I initially I gave it to. Uh... I Canelo the first time, and I don't. I don't think rescoring really is very accurate. You know, you already know who won. Ooh. It's like a fight, already knowing the outcome. You know, um, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's not the same thing. Um, I felt yeah. it was drawish, but I kind of felt that Canelo executed his game plan. And and my my layman buddy, um, that he's watched. You know, he's watched a few, more than a few fights, but he's not. He's a casual, and. And uh, he, his description of it to me was very accurate, that the body were seemed to be a huge factor in the fight. Um, he understands copy boxing isn't a real thing. Uh, but he said Triple G kind of fought one way, lots of jabs, no opening yep. punching. And he kind of just did it fast or slow, like more of it or less of it. 
But Canelo fought different ways. Like he kept coming forward as the aggressor, but he used more of his offense, different ways, and mixed up his attack. Uh, yeah, he faded a bit at the end, but it's like he did enough to 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 win the fight. It just felt like it was. You know, like they were right. I have a, 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 I know I have an unpopular hot take about this, but I think these fights were both won very close. The first fight is a flip of this of this other fight. Most people, you know, most people thought Golovkin did his game plan enough to win. You flip the rematch, and I think most people think Canelo, of the two, Canelo instilled his game plan more so than Golovkin and won the fight. So, so you know, in the end, in my opinion, you have two close fights. The first fight, most people say, you know, I, I, agree, I think if you, look, if you looked at it without any sound, without, you know, without any bias, you would probably hedge it for Golovkin simply because he was he instilled his game plan more so than I think Canelo did. The rematch I think is a flip of that. I think Canelo instilled his game plan more so than Golovkin, and, and if I were to sit back and, and watch it, I would edge Canelo. So what basically what you have is two fucking close fights that people are whining on and on and incessantly about, and, and, and seem to forget and seem to forget that Ernie, they were pretty much Ernie, entertaining Ernie, fights. Ernie. Ernie. There's most people that think yeah. on the rematch that Canelo fought Triple G's fight, but because it was still Triple G's fight, he won. Regardless that he backed up, and I think that's what's weird. But I, I agree but, with you. Know, he the more he I decided the, to come forward. Uh-huh. The more I watched that first fight, though, the, when Triple G, and it's much like we see in the second fight, when it is when they are fighting quote unquote his fight, not as effective as he'd been in the past against lesser opponents. Yeah. When they go to the ropes, I agree. Right. He misses a lot. Like, you know, and you watch it like, oh, yeah, he was the aggressor, but a lot of that stuff is kind of skittering off of Canelo's body, which is moving. And yep. you know I agree. The last viewing I had was like the day of the fight or the day before the fight. And I watched it thinking about Canelo saying somewhere between the fourth and the sixth, he hurt his knee, which he had surgery on. When you watch the fight in that context, he's a wounded Canelo. He keeps getting and he's not finishing him. Now the second fight, he's got two knees in the center of the ring, all like one exchange. Canelo goes and gets the hell off of him late in the fight. I just, yeah, I'm not like saying he was never that good or anything. But you find out who they are when they get to the top level. Let me ask you guys. Can I ask you guys a question? What what last what last middleweight defeated or was a draw with a guy that was coming up in weight and struggled to either knock him out or beat him? And that much of a chance to do what he did with Hagler. I mean, that's reaching far back, you know. Yeah. With who? Yeah, I mean, uh, Leonard and Hagler. That was one fight, mm. though. It, it, I'm just saying that he struggled the first time and the second time. Oh, and then, you know, it, I, it was, I've seen yeah. what you're saying. And then the second time, struggled again. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you, they're probably lower class weights that, that, that are like that. I mean, could we, you know, venture to say that, the you know, De La Hoya Mosley you know, I was just gonna say first yeah. fight and rematch, yeah, kind of like that. You know, it, it, 
you know, I, I think, honestly, I think both fans are just going to have to walk away and, and just agree to disagree. I mean, you know, if if you thought Canelo was competitive in one fight, you know, and but, you know, lost, but then clearly won this fight, cool. If you thought Golovkin won both fights, cool. You're going it, to, it's just going to be polarizing whether, whether we come to an agreement an accord or not, you know, it's just going to be a polarizing thing. It's, it's going to be, you know, forever bandied about in boxing history when we're long gone, you know, people are going to say back in the day, you know, we had these two middleweights who fought two, two great fights and actually possibly a third and, and we'll never know who clearly won these, you know, and, 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 you know, I think as boxing fans, hardcore boxing fans, we have to be appreciative of the fact that these two guys actually went into the ring and gave us a, gave us our all, their all. Yeah. Yep. They're excellent fights. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, the second one was getting into, you know, uh, Marco Antonio Barrera versus Eric Morales territory. They were starting to get savage with yep. each other. Um, yep. The first fight was I not loved that, that fight. Dude, I love this. Yeah. We want to see a third fight. The three match to me was like rewatchable every single time. If you want to bring yeah. on a fan that's not a fan of boxing, and when they say, "Well, about today," there's a, actually there's a couple of fights you could you could sit them down and say, "Okay, watch this." But to be when you have the two guys that are elite to be competitive, this is the fight. Yeah. Gentlemen, I'm going to go train, so I'm jumping off. All right, brother. All right, man. Have a good session. Good right. having you on, let's, man. Thank you. And let's pick it up next week. All right. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, have, more ti- I'll have more time to talk. Sounds good. All right, guys. All right. Peace. You know, here's the thing, man. When it comes down to if you're a Triple G fan, to all the way, if you give me more sense, and you're scoring. But you're like this, like, you know, big drama guy who the sense is like, oh, because he made multi-millions and I, he carried a content. That just doesn't make any sense to me. You can't give a guy because of that. It's got to be more convincing. You know, when I had it a draw and you're telling me, no, it was a clear, you know, clear win. It's just dumb. That's just dumb. Because of what you're telling me, a guy won because he made more money, or because he's made more money from the beginning than Canelo, which is not true, because Canelo, too, had to kind of build up where he was at. So that just makes no sense to me, you know? Well, I mean, so let's go off of this really quick. Charlo. Yeah, yeah, let's get into the – all right. Charlo, right now, does he deserve – and should he give? Should he be given a chance to get at Canelo right now, or does he still need another fight? Um, well, Ryan Burton, a boxing scene, uh, talked with, and he's reporting that, uh, according to uh, Maurizio Suleiman, that's going to be, you know, one of the uh, things talked about was the Canelo versus Charlo status, uh, because you know, as it stands. Uh, they both share the WBC belt. So is it going to be next? I don't know. I mean, you know, you have to look at it, you know, all these different universes, right? Now you got DAZN, which made its debut. Uh, you have uh, uh, 
Showtime, which also, you know, boxing scene is, you know, did an interview Keith Eidick, uh with Steven Espinoza of Showtime. It's like, we're going to be spending a lot of money in 2019. Like, multiple networks being in the business is, is good for the sport. Um, and I, you know, I tend to agree with that idea that fans are just uh, think that, you know, most people haven't really been talking about the mergers that have been going on. Uh, haven't really thought about HBO in that context. They've just been screaming, oh my God, they're not in the fight game. You know, they're flipping out about things changing, but it's like, wait and see. And, you know, with Charlo, what they're probably going to discuss at that convention is like one, what network is Canelo going to fight on next? And two, mm. you know, Charlo, is he going to be locked down as part of the PBC's deal, you know, with Fox uh, and, you know, with Showtime, you know, what's, you know, what's he going to be locked down on? Or is it, you know, is he part of lock, stock and barrel PBC or is he a agent and he can go, you know, with Canelo to go shop for uh, the highest bidder. Um, those things, you know, will probably get ironed out then. So I'm going to wait until those talk. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll revisit that. Uh, but I mean, you know, let's look at Jamal, Jamal, rather, uh, Jamal being the, the middleweight, Jamal being the, the junior middleweight uh, champion. Right. Uh, who has he really fought? fought? As much as he looks <laughs> like the real deal article and you get really excited about him. I'm really, I love their skills. I love their foundation. He's the one with Derek James, right? Um, he knocked out Hugo Santano Jr. in his last fight. Uh, beat Jorge Sebastian Highland in a in a very strange fight. Didn't you remember that? It was like something was kind of wrong with Highland, like his leg. Uh, absolutely devastated Julian Williams uh, in 2016. I think it was his last 54 fight. Um, but you know he hasn't really faced a puncher. Like Julian might be the most dangerous guy that he faced. So I don't well, know how he would do against You know, I mean he matches no, up well He's the, big, 6-0, inch reach The thing is this This is how I look at things now If you're a fight fan From when we started You want certain things to Kind of like, there's a process, right We're not living in that world anymore The process is like Get them as many KOs Or stoppages and patent that record to a point that is sellable because we know that certain fans are not going to go travel back. They're not going to research. Politically-wise, look at it. Look where we're at. In the political world, people do not research. What we fall on is pictures, memes, and who's the most popular guy right now to say a word and then you're going you're gonna to just piggyback off of that. So for that, you know what? Let them have a shot at a title. Let these matchmakers that think they know what they're doing, allow them to kind of kick themselves in the balls because they think they could change certain things in the way traditionally how things are done. I don't know, Gabriel. I'm with... Let them let let themselves in their own foot. I don't think Charlo's ready. I don't see who Charlo has fought in terms of saying like, okay, he can do this. It's just like what Canelo. We've asked for Canelo to grow into a middleweight, and then when he did, we said, okay, this is going to be very competitive. 
is different. When at the time when we're saying that, people are telling us, "No, you guys are wrong. It happens. It has to happen now. Timing is everything." Even Timothy Bradley, when he fought uh, Devin Alexander, was telling everybody, the time is wrong. This guy is not ready, but I'll fight him. And he even he took a very financial hit. He was right. Canelo's at a point of his career right now. He's like, he's not going to say shit. He's not in Timothy Bradley's, uh, um, you know, status. But Timothy was like... This doesn't make financially, it doesn't make any sense. It's not ready for me, but I'll do it because I need the money. Canelo's like, well, I've made a lot of money. I'm going to make a lot of money if I fight this guy regardless, so let it be. If you want the best oppositions against him, you allow them to grow. Charlo's not, he's not ready. He really isn't. There's not a and name on his resume that tells me that says he's ready. Go ahead. If I'm Canelo, too, you know, you're sharing a belt now with uh, Ryota Murata as well, style that's probably a little more beneficial, a uh, guy that does bring some cold hard cash to the table. Um, that's a fight I'd be looking at more than, than, than Charlo, who brings danger. But, you know, uh, you know, Murata's not exactly small, 6'0". Uh, you know, six foot, uh, seventy-two inch reach, fourteen one, eleven KOs. Uh, you know, he's got the fight coming up with Rob Brandt, but he's coming to successful, and I kind of expect him to. Um, then, yeah, it sets up something big with Canelo. You know, it's again, what, what network does he fight on? Where, where's Where's Canelo going next? Um, it's It's a division where we he can know. make a lot of money. You know, uh, and then you also got Jacobs versus Derevchenko, and that's. So walk in the park for either well, guy. Well, if HBO is not going to do anything, here's the thing. If HBO decides not to sign anybody else or has nobody else to sign, Canelo can actually get what he's asking for. If he's the only superstar that's going to stick with HBO, I mean, the leverage is there for him. Don't you think? But, you know, you really look at for Canelo and for Golovkin and HBO, for them, you know, the action's at 160. They've already got, you know, Andre Saunders, right? Uh, or actually, no, I'm sorry. Andre Saunders is going to be a DAZN fight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so they've got Jacobs, Derevchenko. That's it. But, you know, you could get Golovkin in that mix because of the history with Danny Jacobs is he, if he comes out successful. Danny wants that fight. I'm sure Golovkin wants well, that fight. If you fight. can make a couple hundred million, if you can be an exclusive fight of only for HBO – and make the upper hand in anybody else. Because see, here's the thing: is that he's a cash cow. So if you're with the zone, that means the zone has to negotiate with HBO. And if you're an, if you're an exclusive to HBO, and HBO says, well, they don't want to do business with us, but we'll give you another no name, and we're going to give you you know a million for it. Why not go that route? If you're the only fighter that HBO has now. You know, the zone is great, but it also hurts the guys that have, made, that have established their names in the sport. We have to kind of weed that out already. In order for the zone or anybody else to have the, the, the you know, uh, uh, playing level field, 
you have to kind of weigh that all out. And that's, I don't think that's what fans understand, is that Canelo, even Triple G, they have a leverage. They have more of a name in the household than right now what the zone is looking for. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, we'll see what HBO says, you know. Uh, I think, you know, yeah, the HBO is an established brand. It just kind of depends. Do they want to be in the business? Can they afford both those those two guys? Uh, is the Jacobs, Jarvinchenko winner something that each of those guys would be interested in? You know, HBO w- w- would be interested in Murata, you know, versus uh, Golovkin or Canelo, I think. I think HBO is willing to keep the biggest star they invested in and both. it's kind of like dried out. Yeah. You know, with Canelo or even Triple G, they're willing to dry it out. See, the, the drought about it before they go, uh, well, we build the guys. Let me give it to somebody else. I just don't see that happening. And I said this last week. I just don't see that happening. I see it like another year or two, maybe HBO finally just goes, okay, we're going to fizzle out. I just don't see them doing it right now, this year, next year. I, I just see some time. I see that they're going to just try to try to make up whatever they put in, and that's what's going to happen, you know. The zone, though, <clears throat> I think is doing a great job. Performance against Alexander Povetkin. There's some mixed feelings. Some people saying that he looked a little slow with the winner. Um, there's a huge chance that he's just not going to perform that good against like the Dante Wilder. There's the December 1st, um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, what is it? Again, this is like the third, the third time they're saying, oh man, uh, um, deadline. This is the third, third deadline, I think, right? The third deadline with with uh, Dante Wilder, I don't know. What's your thoughts? You know, all, all the talk is just talk. You know, the next fight for Wilder is Tyson Fury. Uh, looks like that press conference is going to happen soon. Uh, I think sometime like next week. What's uh, just falling apart? Have you noticed that? Because I mean, from the, from the from the time it was announced, I mean, there were some great fights that were being announced with it. That all of a sudden. None of them are happening, <laughs> which is kind of crappy. Even though you shouldn't be sold on it, because it's like you know it's like fairly announced. Yeah, I mean, it's not you know people we're gonna be talking about this fight. It's gonna you know boil over. It's not gonna happen till 2019, Joshua Wilder. You know, uh, but I think it will. Uh, it depends though. You know, Fury Wilder could be a classic. They could do it a couple times. Uh, it's not an easy out for either guy. Uh, we can get in that fight at some point. But Anthony Joshua this weekend, you know, I I, uh, I caught the back end of the fight. And I watched it on the DAZN uh, phone app. Uh, I was heading mm-hmm. up into the mountains with my wife to go hiking, and but I wanted to see the fight. You know, I was watching it uh, at home on my, you know, uh, I have a, a PC. I was watching that on the, like the big screen TV and then switched to the phone app when we decided to leave. And it was right. awesome. Great app. I mean, like crystal clear all the way up, just had it, you know, on the dashboard. And uh, I thought that, that Joshua, so just like, I, on that, I like their player a lot. It, it works. 
What's that? It, 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 it's a beautiful player. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I stepped in and um, caught it on the replay, which we talked about. And uh, like you told me, like, it was much easier to find, uh, unlike the ESPN Plus, where you had to learn how to find the replay. Um, oh, and it goes live, like, immediately. As soon as the fight's over, boom, it, the fight's available. Mm-hmm. The undercard's also available. They break all the content up into, you know, just these easily, you know, just uh, scrolled to, uh, you know, p- pieces of content. Um, but the fight, you know, so I watched it again today. Um, and I, you know, I, I took an evolutionary leap as a 40 something. Um, I, I used a Chromacast and I cast from my phone, you know, the app to my TV for the very first time, which is very exciting. Um, and watch the thing. Now, I don't like on their, the, the zone player that you can't scroll forward like 10 seconds or, or 30 seconds, maybe a double tap. will do it. I didn't try it, but, uh, you can scroll backwards, but anyways, the fight, um, you know, people, the, the, all that is to tell you that I saw the, heard the backlash and all the criticism of Anthony Joshua before I saw the whole fight. When I saw the whole fight, yeah, he got rocked at the end of the first round. He got his nose bloodied, uh, got caught uh, by a very sneaky Povetkin who was really cagey, used uh, the fact that he was small to his advantage, was leaping in there. But after, I would say, the third or fourth, it was in the fourth round, uh, right at the top, there's this quick exchange, and the announcers were, were kind of talking amongst themselves, and they missed it. But Joshua landed like an uppercut, and, you know, bloodies Povetkin's eye, kind of jacks him. And then the rest of the round, he just starts working that cut and working his jab. And he kind of reminded me of like a Jack Johnson, not a Jack Johnson, but actual Jack Johnson. Uh, the low lead hand, very relaxed, and just like... So Povetkin had, had smashed up against the rock that is Anthony Joshua for the first three rounds, came at him, rocked him a bit, bloodied him. But like the kid just found that hard jab after a while. And by the end of the fourth, he was hooking off the jab and really just fucking Povetkin back. And, and, you know, I didn't see weakness. What I saw was this kid figuring the guy out. And over the next two rounds, you could just see him. He just gauged the range. And it was like he had worked the jab and hooked off of it, did so many things off of it. That when he got to the seventh and he landed that short, like sixth hammer of a right hand, you know, Povetkin just had forgotten all about the right hand, and and then it was over. And and Joshua showed at twenty two and zero. Well, this is you know that he's a one of the best finishers in the game. It's it's something that you, I'm sure you can teach the mechanics of it and work on it, but to pull it off the way he does and, and not smother his punches and just rock your world and get you out of there. That final right hand that sat Povetkin down on his, on his ass for the second time uh, was a thing of beauty, just brutal. Uh, Josh yeah, was, he, I said it a long time ago, I would buy a stock in him over Wilder, and I stand by that. You know, the thing is that there's a point where you're a gambling man. And Joshua and his team were obviously gambling men because those first three, four rounds, I wasn't, Honestly, I just wasn't with them. Crouching, bending the knees, making themselves the much shorter man without even jabbing the stomach. It took him a while to jab the stomach. And that's why Povetkin was landing the overhand right. It was a lazy jab every single time. But eventually, like you said, they convinced him the only punch that he had was the jab to the stomach, which was beautiful. 
It convinced Povetkin that's all he had to worry about. And I've said this numerous times. That's what uh, Andre Ward did with Kovala. I've seen this with the old school fighters. When you make them believe this is the only punch you're either confident or comfortable in throwing, then you can create openings. And guess what? You can stop a guy. And that's what he did. He took a page off the old books of the old timers. And he capitalized on it, and he made, it great. he made good of it. Povetkin was doing great. There's no way in how you can say that he was not fighting his game plan. He was closing that distance. And I said this on Twitter. If, if, if Anthony Joshua can fight like Lennox Lewis, take a page off of Lennox Lewis, just fight a distance with a jab. But instead he said, I'm going to create my own page. I'm not going to follow somebody else's. I'm going to do something else. Dude, tell me this, Gabriel. Watch the fight. His knees were very bent. He was almost like a wrestler, crouching down, and he left his head vulnerable to be countered every time. To me, that's a fighter that was confident in his chin, confident in his condition, and confident in the fact that this guy wasn't going to land a big punch and turn the fight around. That takes a lot of balls because guess what? 50 out of 50, you're not going to win that. Well, I think, you know, it's it's not so much confident that the guy isn't going to land something of consequence, but more confident that it's sooner or later he's going to, you know, and you just know all I need to do is find that one good one and I'll get you out of there. I mean, he fights recklessly a little bit, but it's, you know, it's kind of a way Canelo fought his fight, you know, just coming forward, sliding forward and absorbing shots. But, uh, you know, at times, you know, just if the other guy's rushing in, you know, you kind of pull off. Uh, you know, fade away just to, to, to keep the distance and hit him with a jab uh, and just always in control. I thought after the fourth, it was kind of mop-up duty and he was just setting him up for something big. Um, you know, maybe everybody else was seeing a different fight than I was, but I, I just didn't feel that, that Joshua, I, I see what you're saying about the bending down. I didn't think he's six, six or, you know, see bigger than that. He's uh, he's kind of an awkward dude, gigantic legs on him. Uh, Oh, you know, and, and, it's, and I, you know what I agree with you. Fine, I agree so, with you. Like, so it's not going to be here's like. A, here's the point though that you just said right now. In terms of Lennox Lewis or anybody else that were in there, like uh, uh, Latimer Clisco, um, here's guys that got knocked out to learn certain things, right? In terms of him, he's a young guy, been actually working for him to try new things. He's not as reckless as that we think we want him. You know what I mean? He's actually, I mean, the way he did it, he wasn't being reckless about it. He was being very cautious. He bent the knees. He still was boxing. He didn't, like, get overzealous. He didn't try to get, like, you know, uh, too courageous at certain points of, of, of when he was trading shots. He just did it enough to make Pavekin, like, pull in. You pull a guy in, and eventually you kind of start, you you start implicating your your game plan, and I saw that. Where the other guys like Vladimir uh, uh, Klitschko to even Lance Lewis, they fought off a of youth. There's a, there's there's a certain science that I see with Anthony Joshua that I like. Is it edgy? Oh, it is. Is it one of those like is it gonna work every single time? I don't know. Dante Wilder to me is gonna be the guy 
that's going to be the final the final test. To me, it reminds me of the Lennox Lewis and Adam McCliscoe's. They're willing to go to the Gusco until they get knocked out, and then they're going to change their style. Yeah, you know, I, I like I just I like the way he fights. I think he he's got all the punches. Um, or at least he's learning them all. He's not the most fluid guy sometimes. Uh, but I think also things, you know, it's like Shaq. You know, when you're that gigantic, things get magnified. You know, um, the fact that he doesn't quite bend down perfectly. I mean, you know, being under is not a thing that most six six people have to learn, you know. So it's going to be, you know, what Pavetkin was doing, coming over the top, uh, kind of chopping down, almost like the way Sergio Martinez chopped down uh, Paul Williams, you know, it was that same kind of almost like a rear hook kind of a punch. Um, the swing, uh, what, what Sergio Martinez called it. Um, I thought that was, uh, you know, uh, I thought it was a nice tactic by Pivetkin. I thought, you know, but he also kind of had, he's 39 years old. So, and he was on Vada. So is he going to have all the energy to do that for 12 rounds? I think after a while, like his moving in and out, he was just like on the end of that jab and just getting a little more sedentary. Even in the, you know, uh, I forget which round. If he's on Vada, I mean, like, like I said, he's on, he's on Vada and everything else. I got to tell you right now, he, I think he's competitive with any other heavyweight that steps in the ring if he stays clean and decides to do this, you know. I mean, his game plan of what he was doing was continue to go over a very lazy left jab and hopefully capitalize after he was chipping away to me he was being smart about it he wasn't trying to like you know um over over extend himself on no, he's picking his spots and, and, yeah finding angles yeah. And, and creating openings but you know i, I think joshua exactly. also showed some good parrying skills uh his ability to use his jab kind of like a pole axe you know uh and catch those blows and and not take too much damage as he's facing back I, I thought the kid showed some poise and, and some real mastery. Well, the youth, Nothing, you the know. youth, the youth too. I think the youth. You have to read into the youth because a, a younger Pavekian would have jumped in. I think the older Pavekian and the older team saw that this, this might have been a trap. You know what I mean? He's bending the knees. He's bending his knees down to make himself shorter. He's making more. He's making it more excessive to hit him. There, there was a point where you thought like. Dude, what what is the younger guy doing? The taller, the bigger guy. Why is he not using his jab? And it was very lazy at the at, at the time. I think there there was some genius, and maybe we'll never know unless we talk to them. But the strategy might have been make the older fighter believe it was just too easy to be true, and then finally execute when he got comfortable. Start jabbing the stomach start jabbing his stomach thinking that this is the only thing that he can think he can come up with to keep him off because Povetkin was, was later on the rounds. I did see him start to be more aggressive. Start let his hands go a little bit more, not enough. And I think that's what might've cost him the fight. You know, Povetkin to me, if he went been a younger guy, he might've just jumped in a little earlier. Okay. But I might be wrong. I just think that a younger guy, might have jumped in with a younger, you know, uh, looking at this like, oh, this guy's shortened himself up. Let me just go for it. Not listen to my corner and go for it. Because we've seen that with other guys in their youth. 
that look at a taller guy and he just hittable, let's hit him. But, you know, against Vladimir Klitschko in, like, 2011, right? I mean, come leaping in. He got tamed by the jab. I always wondered about all the amateur fights and all that. Maybe some guys make it across to the pro level. Some guys are never able to kick it into that high gear. Look at Triple G at the top level. Like, that extra gear that he needed, that extra hustle that he needed, he couldn't sustain it for as long as he needed it. You know, a lot of miles on them. So I mean I don't know right. you know I thought the guy just teamed him with the jab. It you can know? always backfire. You know the older you get, the more you think about it in the ring. The younger you are, the more you don't, and you re- you let you allow reflexes. You know, there is no definite. To me, there's no definite plan. Whoever you're gonna face, it's just no, it, that's what makes boxing to me so interesting. You know, it, it, it's it's at the moment of what you think that can, you know, create a, a situation for you to be the upper hand. There's no definite plan. You're just not going to get it, you know? No, I think, you know, Joshua, he's he's answering all the questions, you know? Having a guy like Povetkin hammer on him. You know, I was kind of down on the fight a little bit. It was like, this guy's 39, and yeah, he's ranked, you know, like number three. But, uh, you know with the drug history and everything, or he's ranked number two by the WBA three by the IBF, um, which is the, the belt that we're fighting for. Um, and number one by the, uh, WBO, uh, other, you know, the, the other belt they were fighting for. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, um, it's the kind of test that you want to see your guy get, uh, make some mistakes here and there, get rocked. Like he got caught at the end of that round and it bloodied him up. And I think Joshua was a little bit thrown by it. They're not thrown by it, but a little bit, you know, he got his bell run a little bit. Um, right. And, uh, but there was, you know, towards the end of, I think it was like maybe the third or the fourth. It was the fourth. Uh, it looked like Povetkin was open for a right, but just the bell rang. Um, maybe it was a fifth. I'll, I'll have to watch the fight again. But uh, you could see him kind of starting to see the openings for a while, uh, Joshua. Uh, and then he was just picking him apart. And, and getting him at that distance and kind of taming Povetkin. Uh, he said it was going to be in 10, the, the knockout, but uh, instead he gets it in 7. Um, the rest of the card didn't do a whole lot for me, I got to say. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, my goodness. It was oh, a little no, bit of a Yeah, it just uh, didn't care. But there's, there's a caller on there. I think it might be Fernando and Richmond. Uh, 510, you're live. I'm leaving in the ring. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Dave. How you guys doing? What's up, man? Hey, Gabe, hey, Dave. Good, good. Um, I enjoyed the fight on Dazzin. That, that, that thing was really good. The zone, whatever you want to call it. The <laughs> zone. It was really good. I enjoyed it. The zone. The, the only um, complaint besides the undercard was just kind of kind of bad. I just tuned it out. It and bad. I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, it was bad. The, the only thing I like to see him improve, and it was really good, man. Like I, It's only like a small complaint. And I feel kind of bad because I have a lot of respect for this person. He was on my... Uh, First boxing here, boxing heroes is uh, Shiree Leonard. I don't, I'm I'm not really enjoying his commentary or his work, man. To be honest, I don't know. What do you guys think about about him as far as the commentator? It's just weird. It's like, I mean, it's just the power of a brand. Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, is boxing. You know, like he's authentic. He's a champion. He's a winner. It, you know, you want to put him next to your brand, but like. 
you know, uh, he had a promotional company. It didn't didn't go that well. Uh, he was with the PBC, and I, I I just don't like him as a commentator. He's not he's not a journalist. He's a boxer, and he's like his whole brand is being liked. So like it's always about like you have to give the guy getting the shit kicked out of him some credit. You really get the shit kicked out of him with a, with a plume, you know? <laughs> uh, it, it's I, think like, Hearn's, I think this is Hearn's way, though, of so, showing how disconnected he is with the U.S. audience. I mean, think about this. On the, the Zone app, the guys that are doing interviews, like, really, have you heard of them? Do you care about these guys? They're doing interviews? Oh, I, I, I didn't care about any of the extra content and, like, you know, and, and maybe it's because, and like, you it's know, Dave like, and I... It's like the World Series of Boxing, you know, like, you know, I mean, Michelle Phelps, I mean, great for you. I mean, I think she's made her, her, you know, uh, foot in the door of boxing, but do you really, honestly, do you run to hear anything she has to say? No. But to be fair... She break the story. And when she has a story, guess what? It's not broken. She doesn't break it. Because she doesn't know the right questions to ask. I mean, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, I, you know, he's a legend. But how many fighters do you know that can really call a fight? And call a fight that, that ha- doesn't include them when they're talking about the fight. You know, Roy Jones, I mean, I like Roy. But at the same time, I'm listening to Roy and I'm like, dude, like, really? Like, I got to hear about you and how great you were and everybody well, else. I don't care about that. I liked right. I liked Sergio Mora on there, but but like even Brian Kenny after I was like, okay, you know, you called it. No one was listening to you. We get it. No one listened to you. <laughs> I remember that part. I remember that. Part. And it kind of was like a little bit embarrassing. But it was like it was, it was like, dude, just just you know, be the color man. Uh, but I, I like Sergio. I'll say for like one, he's just a, he's he's just kind of uh, has a relaxed, easy style. But he's also like going to be. Um, shining a light, you know, on KG fighters and, like, making a case for them for, like, all the things beyond just the heart puncher, but, you know, the subtle stuff. I, I appreciate he has an eye for that. I like Brian Kenny. Was it me or was the volume kind of low on on the announcing crew? Or maybe it was just my setup here. Uh, because you, I, it, you, know, it, you know what I have? I didn't mind. You know what I have? For, what I have set up is uh, some wireless headphones that connect to my Apple TV. It's awesome, man. It's like having surround sound on your ears, man. It sounds really good. It sounds really good. You can hear everything mm. in the crowd and everything. And mm. I, I think Sergio Moore, like you said, he, he was a little bit uneven, but I think he has a lot of potential. I think he knows what he's talking about. He has a good personality. And uh, me, I never liked him as a fighter, but I think I could grow to like him as a commentator. I think part of the problem was that him and uh, Sugar Ray had the same role, right, as, as kind of as a, as a color commentator at the same time. They were kind of constantly stepping on yeah. his toes a little bit. Brian Kenny was excellent. I've always been a big fan of Brian Kenny. He did an excellent job, and uh, I'm glad it gives it a more of a, a premium feel too to the zone having him on there. So that's no, a great voice. I thought was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he knows his shit. He he took his lumps arguing with Floyd. You know, uh, some might say made his bones in sport arguing with Floyd and doing it in an intelligent way. Uh, you know, and, and like on behalf of the sport, like so. I, yeah, uh, you know, Brian is awesome. Yeah, Sugar Ray is just, I just, you know, something about. I I'm also a Hagler guy, you know, a Duran and a Hearn guy. I was never really a nerd guy. 
so it doesn't really excite me. And that's kind of funny too, because you guys were talking about to start the show about the not to go over it again, but the whole Canelo thing. That was a similar, you know, no just between what happened a couple weekends ago and Marvin Hagler against Sugar Ray Leonard. There's no Twitter, you know. It was the same controversy. You know, I remember my uncles because they watched the fight. I wasn't allowed. I was too young, so I wasn't allowed to be in the room. But I remember they were pissed off thinking Hagler had won. Right? They were all arguing amongst themselves. You know, they were all Hagler fans. They would have had Twitter back in the day. They probably would have been on Twitter lighting that shit up too. You know. But it's just, you know, which is, Mm -hmm. that's kind of on the edge of, you know, that's uh, of uh, the internet, not not too long after that. That's how I got into boxing writing in the first place was, you know, getting on an internet forum, you know, uh, in the early 2000s on Doghouse and and arguing about Trinidad Delahoya, like endlessly, you know. Uh, I I thought Delahoya got ripped off against mostly. I thought I thought Lahoy got ripped off against Mosley in the second fight, you know. But I accepted it. I didn't like freak out about it. I thought he got ripped off. You know, it happens. It's boxing, you know. You kind of opportunity to to complain. So if you signed off on the judges, like, and then you're gonna go, oh, I can get a fair shake in Vegas, no matter what I did. Like, isn't it your fault? You couldn't separate yourself, Scott. You know, well, and that's just sometimes the way it is. My biggest issue with them is they got every. I you know, I said last time I called you guys, they got everything they wanted. They got the money, they got the the referee they wanted, they got the judges that they were happy with. They even got the style of fight they wanted, which uh, Abel Sanchez guaranteed an uh, eight round knockout. Right? If you if if uh, if Kendall stays in there toe to toe with them, he's getting knocked out in the eighth round. You know, so they got everything they wanted. They even got, you know, they, they got Canelo right there in front of them, and they couldn't do anything about it. And it was a close fight, and I can see where where they where people think they won. You know, I can, I have no issue with that. But I also feel like Canelo won, and and it could have been a draw, right? You know, I, I see I see both sides of it. And I think I just think a lot of it too is like a lot of the fanboys. Like, oh, you're, you're biased, about. bro. You're biased. Yeah, <laughs> you're biased. Uh, There's yeah. no way you're, you're you're biased. I mean, regardless, you know. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Like you just mentioned everything you just mentioned right now. If it wasn't in Vegas, let's say if it was in New York, they still would say that it was all in the favor of Canelo. That if it would have happened somewhere else, it would have been more in favor of Triple G. That everybody, you know, everybody was against Triple G. I mean, it's, I don't even, I just don't even care to hear it anymore. That's how bad it is, you know. It's just dumb. And we we've seen we've seen boxing cash cows get ripped off before, right? De La Hoya. There's been some arguments where he got ripped off. I saw Manny Pacquiao get ripped off against Tim Bradley. You know, he was like the main cash cow in boxing at the time. You know, it happens, right? You know, and, and that was in my opinion, right? I'm not saying it necessarily happened, but I thought in the first fight against against uh, Tim Bradley, he clearly won the fight, but the judges thought the other way. You know, and and another thing we gotta remember as fans, right? We're like, for instance, I'll take I'll, I'll use me for an example, right? When I'm watching the fight, I'm not judging it. I'm getting a feel for it, you know, but I'm not, like, writing down in my notes who won each round uh, because I'm, I'm having a few beers, I'm having a few drinks, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, and I'm biased, too. I just want to enjoy the fight, you know? And the reason I think Canelo won is not because I, 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 I scored every, every, uh, every round. It's because I thought he uh, stepped to him, and he had Triple G backing up, and he gave him the fight to Triple G won, and he couldn't handle it. And that's why, in my opinion, I thought Canelo won. I can't tell you it was the six, seven, the five, eight, the four. I can't give you those numbers, 
But just my overall feel is that Canelo won the fight, you know, and it was a close fight, you know, but it, just for that reason, you know. And for these people that are, you know, like like uh, uh, sli- slicing real thin rounds, 12th round, 10th round, and just like going over it like it's a, it's a brutal film from uh, the Kennedy assassination, that's crazy too, man. It's just, you know, the people that, that, that are paid to be judges are paid to be judges for a reason. They're not there to enjoy the fight. They're there to, make the, to, judge, uh, to, to judge the fight, not to enjoy it, you know. Everybody else, the media, <clears throat> the announcers, we're, we're there for the entertainment value, you know. So, I mean, we, just, we can't lose track of that. So, who, who is this that you're saying, though? Split? Is it split decision or something like that? A split decision? Is that, Was that the who you're talking Me? about? The, yeah. Split decision? Is split decision. Uh, the, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that um, you can have it any way you want it, you know? Like, it could be a split decision or whatever, but it, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's people's opinion. It's a close fight. It was a close fight. It could have gone either way. It was a really good fight. And it could have gone either way. Fight. I mean, that was a great fight. I mean, think about that's it. That's a bomb line. fight that you can go back and watch again over and over. You know, yeah, and I, I, yeah. I hear you, man. I, I, I hear a lot of people complaining about that 12th round. But, okay, so all you're thinking, all you're watching is the 12th round. You didn't watch the whole, the, you know, other than that. You didn't watch anything else. You know how close it was? It was the, the last round was the only round that you thought that was going to determine the whole fight. That, that's what kind of gets me. You know, and and here's a, here's another thing. When when I see people that shit and bash media, but then all of a sudden, media is everything to them. Just like with Jim Lampley, Jim Lampley, HBO. Like when you watch the fight, and I didn't watch it with HBO commentary. I watched it with the Brits. But when I saw on Twitter, the, the, everybody, all the Triple G fans were saying, like, oh, you know, HBO's all, it was pro Canelo. Now what, what Jim Lantley says, now that's gold? I mean, what, what happened? To the, it, to, I just, that just tells you where people are at. You know what I mean? That's why it's very difficult for me to take anybody's, you know, uh, uh, assessment of something it, it, from the beginning. Unless you're saying the same shit from the from the from like from the right when it, and it's being announced, and, and you're just being very adamant about what you're talking about from the beginning, saying like, "Oh man, this is the guy that I think is going to win." To that day, there's a there's a there's a time you have to accept. You know, like when Timothy Bradley was announced that who's going to fight uh, uh, um, Manny Pacquiao. Timothy Bradley came on. Uh, Gabriel, you remember this? Timothy Bradley came on, and. And I made a joke. I said, I'm putting the house on Timothy Bradley to win the fight. And Timothy Bradley laughed because I hope you're not. Do you remember that, Gabriel? Yeah, I do yeah, remember I don't that. know if you remember that. You remember that? I do. And, and he laughed about it. And then he fights Manny Pacquiao. And guess what? He lost. He got the win, but he lost. And, and it happened. I admit it. I admitted that. I admitted, admitting, admitted he lost, man. Like he didn't win that fight. And guess what? The irritation. I mean, I'm sorry. It it just it just faded. The relationship between me and him it faded. It wasn't even a relationship. It was a relationship about the fact that I love the way he fought. I've had him on numerous times, and then all of a sudden, when I admitted, like the guy didn't win, immediately, guess what? The guy wouldn't come on anymore. 
He wasn't a regular on the show. Because when you, when you finally decide to be truthful about something, that's what happens. I'm a fight fan. I love, I love boxing. I don't love fighters. Fighters come and go. If Salvador Sanchez would have lived long enough to decisively been beaten, <laughs> would have been, I would have been right here with everybody else saying, man, he lost. Tito Trinidad, another fighter I truly loved and adored. But when he got his ass beat by Bernard Hopkins, you think I sat back and made the excuse that the date was changed? The date was a major thing. It might have been. I can make a case for it that the date finally made something, made a big a significance of him losing that fight. In the day, he lost. He lost. You know, and, and Triple G fans, he's got to understand that's boxing. There is no such thing as a perfect fight. There's no such thing as a fighter coming in perfect. Great fighters, even 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 the great uh, Leonard that was on, on the zone, he said this. I've never came in 100%. Never. And I've had Marvin's Marvin Hagler on my show and asked him, have you ever been 100%? And he said, no, not once. Well, Dave, if it makes you feel any better, I think most people they're they're fair, man. You know, like I, you know, like um, like in elections, right? It's not the hardcore right or the hardcore left that 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 swing the election. It's the people that are open minded, willing to vote either way that swing the elections, right? And the same thing with hmm. boxing, right? The, the hardcore that'll get you to two hundred thousand buys, maybe three hundred thousand, but to get to over a million. But the hardcore is under my. But listen, the the hardcore is very. It's very. It's a very small community. Think about this, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the people that actually make up the sport are casual fans that, that buy up everything. They're the ones that actually keep yeah. the sport alive. And, the, yeah. and then the fanatics, the fanboys, make up the, the, the second. The hardcore fans, honestly, bro, we're, we're very minimal. The hardcore fans are like you. We actually tune in. We want to be educated. We listen to other podcasts. I mean, the reason why I started this like, what, 10 years ago, going even longer now, right, was because of the fact that I felt that boxing coverage was never covered correctly. If you did get boxing coverage, it was very, like, you know what I mean? It was, like, sweet. Nothing was really being on. And, and you know what's funny? It's that that the, the carousel of boxing has, it's, 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 Turned again. Like now you get guys like right now, you get like two white boys that talk about boxing, but all they want to do is make fun of like certain fighters and then say racial shit and everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Then you get another writer that says one thing three months ago and now all of a sudden, because the shit's going right, now he wants to change his point of view. That's boxing for you. You do you really don't have a solid guy that's being consistent. The one thing about us is that we've always been consistent. When we cover PEDs, we were consistent. When I broke stories or Gabriel Matoya broke stories or anybody else that was affiliated with us, we were very consistent. I mean, and if you don't believe me, go back to the archives of our show. I was telling this to Gabriel just the other day. It was like, what, uh, Saturday, Gabriel? We were talking about, I go, the one thing that we have above anybody else in industry is interviews that actually were doing shit before anybody else was doing, which is not saying much because that's pretty sad. 
that 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 this sport was not really covered. I mean, I'm not talking about like you know uh, Howard Cassell, not like that. Those guys were doing their job. 80s, not even the 80s. I'm sorry, in the 90s, nobody was covering the sport. Nobody was asking real questions. No, I totally agree with you, man. I agree with you. I I, I was no. like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 40. I was 43. But I grew up in the 90s, right? Couldn't like finding anything in the newspapers. I, Honestly, I didn't become like a – I became a bigger fan when, the, like, the internet boom came around. And I found that website, Max Boxing, and a few other ones, right? It, it took my – kind of like – yeah, let me kind of like expand my, my fanaticism, right? I got I got more into Dude, it. Dude, Max know? Boxing, Boxing Talk, even Fight Hype. Even the Fight Hype has fallen off big time, you know? Um, those are three sites I used to, I used to like, like, you know, look up on the web. On the web. And then, and then I got into YouTube, and, and I – you know, I think it was other two other guys, uh, Rado Abrahim and Jose Fire Aguirre. There were the two guys. Those are the first two guys in pioneers in, in doing interviews. Am I wrong, Gabriel? The first two guys to do pioneer interviews. And then I came right behind that. While I was going to gyms, doing interviews and doing that. And 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 I was like, kind of like chipping away of like, okay, where am I gonna where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do on this and that? You know. But then I noticed that here's, – here's the thing, is that people don't want real news. People want what is – shit. Fits into their narrative. The, yeah. 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 What, what is their narrative? You know what I mean? Like when Manny Pacquiao was around and I was being told – this is the funny. I was being told when Manny was trying to go for congressman, people were telling me, uh, he's not very smart, but he's for the people. This is his own people, Filipinos. Not very smart, but he's doing it for us. And I was like, why in the fuck would you want somebody that wasn't very smart in politics to help you? And this goes with Triple G right now. You know? Well, he makes a lot of money, and he carries the content, so he should win. That doesn't – that just <laughs> – that doesn't win fights. I'm sorry. That doesn't win fights. He yeah, told the guy, the his, 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 his promoter and his trainer told person who I was not, you know, if you go back in my history, um, over here in Modesto, California, they did a whole article of me not, and the guy hanging up on me in the interview, okay? That we don't, we didn't have a very good, like, you know, poor between each other. So, You can't say that I'm being biased when I'm calling the fight. They asked him to fight a particular style. He showed up. Guess what? You're backed up. The judges see that. That's an impact. Why don't people see that? That is an impact. If I told you, dude, if I told you, if, if let's say me and you have a dispute, and you go, man, if I go to your house, homeboy, you better, your ass better not run, and you better stand there toe-to-toe. And guess what? You showed up, and we fought, and we fought toe to toe, and you ran after. What happened? I fought you at your own game. The people around you that heard you say this are gonna say, "Well, shit, dog. You know, you you showed up, and and he fought you, but you ran." That's how the judges see things too. Showed up, he fought you. And you didn't do it. You didn't. You didn't hold up to your end. 
So that no, they say he's gonna knock him out. You say he's gonna knock him out in the eighth round. We did it, right? Not yeah. only if he steps yeah. to me. If you do step to me, I'm going to knock yeah, you Abel, out. Abel Sanchez, Abel Sanchez, like, oh, you know, the Mexican people, they want to see this. Okay, the Mexican people saw it. And you didn't do it. And now you're pissed. And now you want to make, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Now you want to start another narrative. You know, oh, well, you know, I, I, I changed my style, which I did see him do that. And I give, because I'm a boxing fan, I give you credit. You did that. But was it enough to win a round? Not just the 12th round. Fuck the 12th. Take the 12th round out of there, man. Because there was other rounds to judge. To me, that's just so stupid. When you just rely on one goddamn round, and that's the one round that's going to determine the whole goddamn fight. That's just so stupid. Come on. There's 11 other rounds to sit back and go, well, there's a strong possibility he lost the third round. Actually, there's a strong possibility he lost the first, the second, the third, the fourth, right? And and other rounds, because they were that close. What, that's what I, you know, I have a problem with fight fans that believe they're hardcore boxing fans that don't bother to watch the whole story. Like Max Kellerman, he won, that was so stupid. He won the story, he's winning the story of the fight. I didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about. What do you mean talking about story fight? The story hasn't even been completed. I don't go to a movie theater to watch 15 minutes of a, of a, of a movie and go, or, or an act. Like Gabriel, I don't go to Gabriel's show to watch 15 minutes of his goddamn show and go, dude, I'm leaving because I got the, the whole story. I want to see the ending. That's why we watch sport. Stupid. Anyways, sorry, man. That was my rant. Well, I, uh, go ahead, Gabriel. Sorry. He's on mute. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll say- can I say this one one last thing to the kind of I'm, it's a little bit irritating is the whole that uh, boxing is more crooked than any other sport, man. I think that's, that's straight bullshit. up bullshit. They're man. not watching soccer <laughs> or NFL. Did you watch the NFL this weekend? NFL, when, yeah. Uh, Clay Matthews, basketball. Clay Matthews got that boxing. flag for that fake for tackling a quarterback. He got a penalty. You know the NFL well, and all these. Mm-hmm. They go. It goes back again. If you were listening, if you if you've been a fan of Leaving Ring, Gabriel, unmute yourself. What was the name of the guy that we had on that did that? Um, he did two. He did like two I'm novels. Not unmute. I just can't get a word in edgewise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of the, so the, the, the author that came on that was? Um, oh God, Brian Tof. Was it Sophie? I didn't Brian do that Tof- interview that did, with uh, you. you. You had him on. Yes, I think. you did. No, 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 no. Or maybe no. I was there, but it was, but it was it was your deal. I mean, I I, I just kind of again, right, right. Kind of but what was his name? What was his name? Do you remember Brian? It was Brian Sophie, right? The the it was the um, the fix is in. You remember right. that? Yeah, and, and barely. And, and, like and, and he yeah. Boxing's very minor in terms of a worldwide. I mean, there, I mean. <clears throat> Is it is boxing fixed at certain you know, levels? Absolutely. But if you only think it's boxing, then you're you're really honestly are clueless to what's going on to the real world. You know, when I hear people say like, but here, oh, well, here's the thing for me, Dave. You know, and and I'll just be a broken record. Um, you know, it's why I'm kind of sat silently, you know, just listening. All these people that are so outraged and poor Triple G, it's all such a double standard. Like Steve Kim calls hmm. the uh, 
the double standard, no standard. And that is, you know, like, to me, like, like, we'll look at DAZN. Eddie Hearn is being pretty aggressive about trying to buy out as many top fighters as he can because he's got a network to fill fights with, you know? Um, but nobody's dogging him for trying to monopolize the sport and put everybody else out of business. And maybe that's not what Eddie's trying to do. But when Al Heyman tried to use the old model of old TV and bring shit back and use Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, bring shit back to network TV and use, you know, invoke all the old legends, uh, it was preposterous, made fun of it. I mean, the Hans Zimmer stuff, you know, needed to be made fun of. The, you know, uh, taking away the ring walks was, was a shit idea. But, you know, trying to consolidate fighters and put out a, a uniform product and, and market the sport in a different way, uh, that, that's not, it wasn't a bad idea. Um, and, and, you know, the PBC is still going strong. I mean, it was like, they're, you know, market watch with these guys, people that, that don't play the stock market all of a sudden understood everything that was going on with Waddell written and read. Um, I mean, we did have a guy that was an actual reporter on the case on, on the next round, uh, all of a sudden, everybody was, you know, financial experts. That's, you know, I, I didn't get into that because I'm not a financial expert. I'm not even a TED expert. I'm a guy that listened to really good sources. Um, but you know, to me, that, that that kind of hypocrisy, and you watch with Triple G, all of a sudden, just him being busy with his jab hand, some of them hard, not all of them, and certainly not all of them landing. Um, all of a sudden, that's a winning strategy. But when Danny Jacobs did it against Triple G, uh, those are just defensive jabs. Uh, what's the difference between those two guys? One guy's white, one guy's black. Uh, one guy is, and the other guy is Al Heyman guy you don't. What is it? Um, you, you know, Canelo couldn't win the fight going backwards, much less get a draw. But Triple G backs up all night. Not all night, but a larger portion of the night. Um, you know, and all of a sudden he's a defensive master and a, a master boxer doesn't make a lot of sense to right. me that, that's what, what all those arguments fall apart uh for me and also just you know you watch the rounds they're seesaw rounds they're not easy everybody watching the fight or calling the fight while it's going on says well he was a defensive really master with uh know. with david lemieux though gabriel i mean let's give him that his jab but you know he was, was also the... doing something that marco antonio rubio had done before and uh what Alcine, right, had also done. It's like, you know, everybody's like, this master jab, like when you're beating a guy for the third time, why am I supposed to be excited about that? Especially on pay-per-view. You know? I mean, he did beat Kell Brook moving up in weight to 160, but what has Kell Brook done since then? Well, I fell into, I fell into the, I, this is what I fell into. The fact that he was knocking everybody out, which was never, I mean, he was, he was knocking out guys he was supposed to. And we all fall into that because the, you know, the trailer of a movie is what normally sells you to go sit down to see the movie. And when it finally came up, I mean, I didn't want to see, you know, Canelo Alvarez step in the ring with them until I felt they was ready. Just like Dante Wilder. I, I just, I called them the Bambi of heavyweights because every time that guy threw a punch, he was all over the place. Dante's gotten better. And the more that I see Dante's gotten better, I've seen uh, Anthony Joshua start become more technical and more reserved. 
trying to be smart. And a lot of times when you got someone, somebody that's like willing to be more reckless, that person is willing to take chances. Michael Grant did not, he wasn't the guy that wanted to take the chances. Lennox Lewis was able to be more technically sound and more smarter in the ring. And then when he decided to let, let his hands go, that was the story that we ended up with. Uh, with Dante Wilder, I just don't see that. I see a guy that at one time, American, like HBO, especially HBO at that time, like Jim Lampley and them, they were pumping up because of the athleticism that Michael Grant showed. He just couldn't deliver. Same thing with Triple G. We were sold something. We thought that that was going to happen. And guess what? We actually got the kid that was getting better as he goes, and it was traditionally being taught how to fight to be ready for the big stage. Regards that Gennady Golovkin was the guy that was far more skilled, far more prepared because he's been in the game a lot longer. He was in the, in the amateur rankings. The pedigree was absolutely it was there. But when it came down to it, he just couldn't deliver. And and people sitting on Canelo should really honestly be praising him because here's the guy that didn't have that. They really have to rely on his, you know, his, his actual experience at the moment and the skills that he was being taught in the ring at that moment that really had to pay attention and how to be competitive against a guy that's seen it all. What is to me? What is more? What what is more fa- fascinating? A guy that's been in the game for so many years, or a guy that was kind of thrown to the wolves, and had to learn how to be part of the wolves. Me, other guy. It's letter B. Yeah, I you know. Um... I think Canelo has kind of earned his stripes, and and was you know, certainly when it turned when it came to to going the distance was the more experienced guy in that fight, and you know mm-hmm. in some ways it showed that poise, you know um, he's a tough man, and people however you feel whoever you felt won the fight, um, it's a tough fight that brought out the character of both guys, showed the depth of it with both guys, and I think. That got lost, all this people champion stuff. But, you know, it's also Twitter. And so, I don't know. I talked to a lot of people that felt Triple G won, like just around the gym. But I also talked to guys, you know, like one was a, you know, an ex-fighter. Uh, actually, two of them were ex uh, But then the third uh, fighter I talked to this morning was like, nah, it was, you know, yeah, that, that jab was active, but it wasn't effective because it didn't stop Canelo from doing what he wanted to do ultimately. Uh and so, you know, it's just, it's going to be that kind of fight, you know. But uh, there's no question about Anthony Joshua. He is, uh, you know, get into him versus Wilder. Uh, you know, I just don't even want to go there yet because we've got so much fight to go. I want to see Wilder versus Tyson Fury uh, and how he deals with the boxing skills of that guy uh, who is a puzzle unto himself, Tyson Fury. Uh, he's mobile. Got the punches. I think. I think the level. Stinking, I, yeah. No, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. He's not. He's not afraid to just stick out the joint. 
you know, and, and just box for three minutes of each round and kind of hunt and peck you. I want to see what Wilder does with that style. See, to me, that to me, it all makes sense with something like that because, you, you know, you have different stages of fighters. And to me that when you have that, you can kind of put the puzzle together. And I'm not, I'm not like, in a rush to see Dante Wilder right away. I want to see him against Tyson Fury like you just mentioned right now. Here's a guy that is not afraid to stink it up. It, Tyson Fury is a guy that's not – he's not – really fighting to please the mask. He's really fighting to please what goes in the casing of his, of, of his, of his bedroom. You know what I mean? Uh, the belt. With Dante Wilder, you... Huh? As a fan, like Joshua, his, his, his fight against uh, Klitschko and his last fight this past weekend were uh, the most enjoyable heavyweight fight I've seen in a long, long time, man. More than anything I ever saw out of Lance Lewis or Vladimir Klitschko. He didn't. He, he never see uh, Joshua. I know they say he kind of fights like those guys because he's big as them, but he doesn't grapple like they did. You know, he doesn't slow the fight down. He's out there dancing with them. He keeps at, he stays at a distance. He works his jab. He throws punches, but you never see him do is grapple. I don't think he ever him and Povetkin uh, ever uh, hugged up or grappled the entire fight. You know, and that's rare. No, that, right. that used to be rare for a heavyweight fight. No, even like Wilder Ortiz and and you know Joshua's fights, mm-hmm. those are exciting fights. Even Wilder, I mean, they both have you know these high knockout percentages. Um, yep, they already have surpassed the, that in terms of excitement. Uh, the Klitschko and, and Lewis era. Uh, yeah, I, I Lewis I just Joshua drove me crazy. I was like, I, I watch it because I'm a boxing fan, but you know, I was always hoping for an exciting. His fighting where he got knocked out were the most exciting. You know, the Rockman rematch. Who's more exciting? Let me let me ask you guys. Who's more excited right now, Dante Wilder, or 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 or, or Joshua? I, I have to say Wilder is. Hmm. You know for a fact that well Wilder, you're gonna have like it's a roller coaster. You just don't know when his mistake of of what he does is gonna cost him, and how he's gonna get himself out of it. Know, kind of and Joshua is a little bit different. Exactly. I agree with you. I agree with you, Gabe. They're equal because they both like have been like put on their ass during a fight and gotten back up and won the fight. You know, Joshua against Klitschko and the last fight Ortiz against uh, Wilder, they both got knocked on their butt. Looked like they were in big trouble, and they came back to win the fight by knockout. I mean, both those guys, man, they're they're kind of like uh, two sides of a coin, man. They're they're pretty similar, man. They're fun to watch, man. And I'm honestly now, looking forward to that fight next year. Fight. See, that, yeah. that to me makes it a super fight. That's when it makes you go like, we have them equal. You know, this is equal. With Triple G and Canelo, they weren't in that same breath. You know what I mean? A lot of people felt, including myself, that Canelo was too young, hadn't tried. You know, he, he really hadn't made his, his uh, uh, step into the middleweight division. And then that first fight, it was like, okay, see, this is why he backed off. You know, he was he was trying to be much more of a boxer. Where right now, the surprising factor is that he fought his ass off. He made his he made his uh, uh, stamp in the ground, the middleweight division. Where with with Anthony Joshua and Dante Wilder, I mean, guys, I mean, this cannot be more even than we can get at this moment. It really isn't. 
Yeah, no, I can't wait to see them in the ring, but, you know, we're going to have to. <laughs> well, Fernando, and, we won't... Uh, hey, brother, hey. What's that? Can I say one last thing? And you guys could, like, hang up on me? Yeah. Sure. Isn't the, the, aren't the three glamour divisions, in, in, like, in their best condition we've been in years, the welterweight, middleweight, and heavyweight divisions? I mean, they're awesome, man. I'm excited for all these fights, man. You got super fights in all the, the weights. Walter I mean, you got super fight at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Thank I don't you. know about the welterweight division, though. I don't know. Is the welterweight division that great right now? They got I think they're, 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 they're very good. What's up? You do have a super fight in the welterweight division coming up, maybe next year or sooner. But uh, thank you. I'll, I'll take it off. I'll, I've been, I'll take your note for the time. Thank you. All right, brother. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Is the welterweight division? Do you think the welterweight division it really is 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 right now at at a, at a peak where we think it's really good? I don't know. I think it's still in the um just because that there's there's like certain bits that are like with top rank. I mean, the the people that norm, normally think that well, the people that think that the best welterweight in the world right now is with top rank, which is Terence Crawford, and then the other guys are with Al Heyman. I mean, Al Heyman has much, much more of a better bit of what's going on in the welterweight division, right, Gabriel? Or am I wrong? It's it's a weird division. If Manny Pacquiao's not with top rank anymore, so but he's got, not considered one turned, of the best welterweights right now. Well, uh, no, he's he's got the WBA belt. Shares it with Keith Thurman. He's got a version of the belt. Mm. So you know he is. You know, even if mm. you know, it's weird. There's there's multiple camps on that. You got the people that, that have been calling for him to retire for a while. You got people like me who are like, ah, eh, he still seems pretty effective. Beat the shit out of the, yep. the machine. Uh, further dismantled uh, the guy that was undone by Danny Garcia. Uh, you know? So at this point, when you got. Uh, wow. I mean, he really Morgan, did. He really did take. He really did take down the rise that was never a rise of the machine. <laughs> seriously. That's pretty bad. Seriously. You know, uh, you know, but uh, so yeah, you've got top rank Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence Jr. People are calling that a super fight, but you know, neither of those guys are filling stadiums or anything. Crawford at home does very well. He's doing well, better and better in Vegas. But I mean, you know, we're talking super fight, and we've had that debate. You know, what is a real super fight? Joshua Wilder is a real super fight. Uh, this is. You know, it, it it would be a good fight if it happened. Uh, where is it going to be that takes it to the super level? I, I don't know. And on what network? I don't know. Um, but I'm even looking up right now because of the whole December 1st thing. Was it, oh, it was December, right? Canelo, With, uh, Canelo's also been cleared to fight uh, in December by his doctor. So uh, right. he's, he's cleared to go. You know, middleweight, yeah. I mean, the, the middleweight looks pretty awesome. Super middleweight's. Got some pretty pretty good fights to be made. 175 has some uh, excellent fights to be made. Uh, yeah, I mean, boxing right now is, is very healthy, division by division. You know, Usyk, Belu, uh, not the most exciting fight to me in the world. Um, of, uh, I don't know. With Cruiserweight, I still think there's, you know, rematches that could happen or uh, some interesting matches. I don't know. Not, not so much. Kind of thin. But... Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to get to this other caller? Yeah, go ahead. Two zero three, you're live on Leaving in the Ring. Hey guys, how you doing? It's uh, Alex Purefoli, uh This things first on um, 
Twitter. Uh, What's up, man? Uh, there's, how's it going? Um, there's so many great things uh, that are going on these past two weekends, and uh, you guys have covered so many. I've been writing down notes, and now that you started talking about welterweights, um, I kind of want to just talk about them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't know. To me, the most exciting fight uh, in boxing that could be made is um, – Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia. I would love to see that. Mm. But other than that, of course, weights. And uh, I think Joshua is a badass. And I love what Dave was saying about uh, he is a thinker in there. And I think that's what makes this such a great matchup if it, when it eventually happens between him and Wilder is that style. They're both, they're both mutants in terms of size, but they're right. also so stylistically different. Uh, Joshua is the thinker, and um, Wilder is the wild, uh, swinging, like, caveman guy there um, who can just take you out with one shot. So, I, I don't well, know. He's an, yeah. ath- he's an athletic he, – he, he, there's a difference. Like, Joshua, to me, is an athlete, he's an athlete, but carefully thinks about what he's going to do next. Wilder, to me, is an athlete that allows his athleticism – to do the talking. Well, and he proved too that he's got character against right. Ortiz, and that was that was a thing that I think was lacking. And to me, I don't know. Uh, Joshua sort of balanced the scales because I thought Joshua I liked better because of what he did with Klitschko. Um, I thought that was sensational. Yeah. I mean, I'm a guy. Uh, Mike Tyson is who got me into the sport. Uh, the first time I saw him was uh, in his what was his 16th fight. Um, and then I've just been, so that was 33 years ago. I've been watching ever since. So, you know, nobody ever, it's kind of like your first love. You never get over your first heavyweight champion. So to right. me, he's sort of a yardstick. And in a lot of ways, Joshua has already eclipsed what Tyson has done. Cause Mike Tyson never got hurt and came back. He was always a front runner. Joshua. I mean, there was never a fight where Mike had a pouring down bloody nose and came back to win like Joshua did the other day. Yeah, he got a spell hmm. run real early yeah. in the fight and bloodied. Like, you know, Povetkin drew first blood. And then in the fourth, he landed that uppercut. Things kind of shift, you know, but, but it took him a minute to, to find that rhythm. He was well, and then tough. using that jab and sort of getting oh, small yeah. showed that, and he. He was talking about this. I, I agree with you guys. I thought the DAZN um, broadcast was really good. And, uh, hey, um, if that's the way what we're, we're going to get nowadays, bye-bye, HBO. Uh, let, don't let the door uh, kick you on the way out. Um, you know, they haven't been the same without Lampley as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I do think that uh, Joshua even mentioned that movement he was giving um, – Povetkin in the sixth and seventh round, watch that. He was side to side, and he was talking about if you're yeah. fighting a train, you don't stay on the track. And he was. That was really smart. You don't see that in big men. And Wilder, I don't know, man. Uh, if if, but you could hit Joshua. So if he, Joshua can get back past some early bombs. Uh, I don't know. I think he. Uh, I think he could stop Wilder late, but it'll be a hell of a fight. And Wilder, I mean, he, he took some. He took some late so. shots. What were you saying, Gary? Wilder carries his power late too. 
you know. Yeah. So he does. It's uh, he does. It's impossible. Man, that's fun. <laughs> I mean, but he, but he, here's the difference though with Pavekian, it's it's a short it's a short shot. You know what I mean? You don't see it. With Wilder, it's a long, long shot. Like he needs distance to kind of land it. Um, I was more impressed with how Anthony took it, took the shots that was right over his lazy jab. But you normally didn't, you don't see. With with you know Dante, it's a little bit different. You 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 it's your mistake. That's really your mistake by pulling back with Ortiz. I saw that he was pulling back. He was able to see the shot come over and then and then clip him. Yeah. So, I I I think that I I'm I'm with you on this. I think that you know with Anthony that his jaw may be a little bit more solid because I think I think people forget how wild I mean uh, um Vladimir Klitschko, I mean the guy there was a reason why they call him the hammer. That right hand land and and it was just it spelled for destruction. And he was able to take it, recover, come back. Dante Wild is a little bit different. There was never really a person that kind of shift that change. Every guy that he stepped in the ring thought that he was going to blow out. And every guy that did give him trouble, you know, was that guy that said, well, you know, he should give him a little bit of trouble, but he should be okay with it. Even though it can go with, you know, Anthony Joshua, but at the same time, he fought a guy that reigned for, what, 10 years? Can't take that away. To me, that's just still to me that's a bigger, that's a bigger obstacle, right? From from anybody out there, Dante Wilder's like face, you know. I just I love the fight, man. I mean, it's a super fight in my opinion because I think that when when you have two guys equally meet at the same place, that still have a lot of questions. One guy, like I mentioned before, is a thinker. The other guy that's just going to go off as athleticism, and that really is what answers the questions that you that you pose for him. It just Spells a great fight, you know, and it also can switch on you. I mean, when Leonard stepped in with Hearns, if you want to lose, if you want to like, somebody I hear people go like, oh, you know, you know, Leonard Hearns and this and that, you know, he's commentating. If you want to use that spin, then you use it against when he got in the ring with Hearns. They expected Leonard to go in a certain way, and he didn't against Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Well, you know, he changed the story of the fight. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's same thing with Canelo. Canelo Triple G. Think about it. Canelo Triple G. Everybody thought again the second in the rematch he was getting lean, that he was going to be more, you know, uh, uh, elusive. He was going to use his legs more. He wanted to box, and he changed the whole story. Like he decided, I'm going to sit and train, and it made Triple G back up and made Triple G adjust to what he was doing. And I go back again. This is the reason why judges saw it a different way. And I understand why. Now, being a fight fan for so many years, watching so much hate of different fighters, this is why the judges probably scored for Canelo. They saw something different they didn't see from the guy that they've been watching for a, a period of time. And it could have been a, like, a, like a shock. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this. You know, yeah, right. I, I, you know, I was telling these folks, there's some people that I, was, I hang out with, they're not fight fans. And somebody asked me, like, Nito, why do you like the sport so much? And I was giving them, like, the whole tale of the tape of what's going on in the sport. I said, honestly, think about this. Right now, this period of time, it's really a good time to be a boxing fan. 
we have like the zone, the ESPN Plus. You know, HBO is not carrying much, but you got still got Showtime. You got Fox. You even got regular ESPN. And we've been getting we've been getting a lot of good fights for this past year. This is really a good time to be a to be a, a boxing fan again. We we are getting some real good matches. Is it the ones that we want all the time? No, but again, fight fans, we are spoiled brats. We want more when it's given to us that's been good enough. We still want that, you know? And and unfortunately, some things have to kind of marinate. We have to kind of get a little, it's got to be juicier, you know? I'm okay with seeing things kind of juice up a little bit more, you know? I, I like well, I'm I with think you. We did, uh, Michael we versus Michael Garcia, I'm with you. We got you like an empire back with, uh, with Canelo yeah. Golovkin. It was like a Godfather too, you know? Sometimes the sequels don't deliver, but this one definitely did. Oh, it did. Let me, let me ask you guys this. Rematches never delivered from the first match. This one was by far. How many times have you ever seen a rematch kind of, you know, uh, exceed better than the first fight? This one did. This was far more better than the first fight. And that's the crazy part, that if you're a Golovkin fan, you should be saying, like, dude, at least we got a great fight. At least we got a hell of a fight. But instead, we're stuck on the 12th round, you know? And we're stuck right. on... Well, this is what, I, this what I wanted to ask Gabriel, too, about the, um, the Tyson Fury issue, is that when you consider, if especially... Because you have, you know, everybody's so freaking polarized with everything today, and this will right. be a very polarizing promotion, I'm sure. And if it even happens, because, you know, with Tyson Fury, you have the issues of substance abuse and the mental illness issues, and, you know, God bless him that he could even get through a training camp. That's a victory in itself. I mean, I'm sure financially there's a massive incentive to to make it happen. So I figure he will come in in good shape and you know, I give him a good chance, and I think because of the issue of scoring, when you think about it, he is very hard to hit. It's going to make an ugly fight, and all he has to do when you think about it, the way our sport works, is win 12 rounds, and 12 three-minute little skirmishes. They could be ugly as shit, but, you know, if he pecks away at him and the rest of the time is Wilder wild swinging and him catching him and them falling into clinches, at the end of 36 minutes, he could win. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's got big good week for a big man, too. I, Fury is no one in the park. Uh, he's a problem. And, you know, as much as everybody loves Anthony Joshua, it was Fury that vanquished Vladimir Klitschko. Exactly. Uh, you, know, I guess, you know, Joshua retired him, I suppose. But, you know, he also retired himself. He was looking at huge money for that rematch and decided, you know, I can't. That was it. I was up. That was, you know, Viagra ain't going to get me any further than this. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't take anything away from Anthony Joshua. You know, any more than, like, you know, I looked at it at first. I was like, ah, oh, he beat a 39-year-old guy. But heavyweight, and people have always said about heavyweights that they, they age a little, you know, they mature later, you know, uh, an older heavyweight. Is still, yeah. And, you know, uh, that was a good Pavetkin and it was a tested Pavetkin. So, you know, there's no gripes on it. It was a good win. And he didn't look like naked tested fighter. He still looked quality. 
which maybe speaks to the fact that, you know, some people have said he's super dirty. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe he wasn't. Or maybe he's kept the gains from before the testing. Who knows? Um, you know, but uh, good stuff all around. Yeah, no, it's a great time to be a boxing fan. There's, I mean, even this weekend, you've got, um, you know, from uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, uh, George Groves versus Callum Smith, super middleweights on DAZN. Yeah. ESPN Plus from the Oracle Arena in Oakland, uh, Jose Uscaragi versus uh, Ezekiel Moderna, and Jerwin uh, Ancajas versus Alejandro Santiago, uh, you know, for super middleweights to super flyweights. Uh, and then Pachanga uh, Resort and Casino in Temecula, California. On Showtime, Devin Haney uh, versus Juan Carlos Burgos. You know, they're all, uh, with the exception of the uh, Caleb Smith, kind of more showcase kind of fights, but but still, you know, and then on, on Sunday uh, at the Citizens Bank Arena in Ontario, California, on FS1, uh, the much-anticipated uh, Victor Ortiz versus John Molina Jr. John Molina comes for his <laughs> annual fight uh, at junior welterweight. Uh, or actually, uh, welterweight uh, for 12 rounds against, yeah, Vicious Victor. Oh, wow. That's, it is that, when is that, Sunday? Sunday, September 30th, yes. Oh, it's, wow. Yeah. Wow. That, he's yeah. fun to watch, that John Molina Jr., um, Both of those oh, yeah. together, that's, that is like... When you think I'm that's so about much that boxing fight. on TV, I mean, you throw in a few shaving com- cream commercials, between that and the president, it feels like the 50s. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Write that line down, Joe. <laughs> All right, man. I mean, then really, we are... There is a lot of boxing on TV, there never was exactly. this much boxing on TV. It's just that it's not all TV. TV is the like, no. not the word to use because nowadays you could watch it on so many different platforms. I could watch all those fights on Friday on my phone. Wow. Yep. That's ESPN wild. Plus yep. and Showtime and watch it live on my phone. You wow. Know? That's, that's pretty yep. cool. There's no more breaking up dates. It's no more a space age. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. also true. There's no, there's that, you no know, more saying I can't go here. I can't do this because of this reason. You know, I like to say it's a great time to be a boxing fan. I'm, it, I'm actually uh, happy to be alive that, of this time. And, you know, some fight fans that are just barely getting into the sport may not understand this or may not, they're just not grasping it this moment. But you know, when you come from the seventies. <laughs> and you 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 had to wake up for like you had to be up for a Tuesday night fight. Friday night fight. You had to take what was given to you. And right. yeah, you had to be a prisoner of, of, your, of your own home, you know, of, of, yeah. and of your love of the yeah. sport. <laughs> sport, exactly. Even a prisoner of your own news, you know. I mean, you had to wait for your magazines. Your magazines that came in once a month is what was what was the, the news that you got, you know, from it. And you had you 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 know you you. you you were surrounded by other people that were watching, you know, baseball news and football news or basketball news around you, and not. And, and if you just got a bit, like a little taste of boxing, if they mentioned boxing in their telecast or or their segment, it was the world to you. It was like, oh shit, okay, hold on, shh, shh, I want to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Even though it yeah, wasn't definitely. Even, I mean, magazines were the main source of. I mean, I was kind of lucky because I lived in the in the New Haven area. That's where I grew up. So being in Connecticut, you you know, you got all the New York papers. And back then, New York newspapers did have boxing writers, and they were covering like the Mike Tyson beat. So you did get stories sometimes, like 
Tyson whacking out a sparring partner or something. There'd be a little article by Wally Matthews or by Mike Marley or Mike Katz. You know, so that was really cool. But um, you're right. It's not like now. You could follow a fighter on Twitter, and you could know what he's doing all day. You could know, um, you know, how much uh, money he flushed down the toilet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, How many Uber drivers he annoyed. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder who we're talking about <laughs> Yeah, I, I know things about Adrian Broner I don't know about Dave You know uh, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> We wish we're we gonna didn't keep it that way, buddy. We're going to keep it that way, okay <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying I, I hope so I, I don't, yeah it's really. It, but it is, it is a trip it, how, how personalized it's become How, you know, we live in the age of marketing And Things get, you know, personalized and split up. You can really tailor make all your stuff. And I think, you know, because Twitter and Facebook, Twitter especially, I think, is such a freaking echo chamber. Social media in general is such an echo chamber that these these arguments get magnified. And because, you know, boxing coverage, uh, so we were such pioneers of of Internet, uh, you know, of Internet sports coverage that – we're, I don't know. We're just victims of the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, we, we can, things well, that really wouldn't victims, have been used yeah. a long time ago all of a sudden become stories now. You know, there's just so much. Whenever there's a close fight and, and it gets a big fight that's covered, uh, it gets put into that binary uh, machine that the mainstream media yeah. does everything. And the way ESPN covers – all sports, really, and they do it with boxing, with just big mouth, strong opinions that they seem to like want you to disagree with. So you got like the Skip Bayless, the Stephen A. Smith, the Teddy Atlas, and even Jim Lampley has proven it with that article you guys were reading. Um, I mean, like you were saying, Dave, uh, the thing about I think some of this polarization and the fact that it, you see this in our society too. Everybody wants to act like I'm the ones persecuted. You're persecuting me. My guy playing right. the raw deal. Um, and right. that's, that's if you really love the sport, you can appreciate that these were two freaking close fights. The second one was ridiculously close. And like Roy Jones was saying, Canelo should get major props because – you acted like you, uh, he, he ran last time, and he sure as shit did not run this time. And you acted right, like right. you were going to whack him out if he didn't run, and he didn't. you didn't whack him out. So in that sense, the idea that you couldn't even hang around the ring for an interview, I could see some of that. But if you're a boxing fan, you know that the sport won. That's what adults can do. It seems like so many All people right. are just love like this cult of one fighter that they feel like personally affronted, you know, and they go on the Twitter um, rant about it. You know, at least like my beginning started in a forum and, and I think it's just intrinsic on the internet. People dig and they also troll, you know, and they're like, try to get your goat and keep you arguing. And they're and Twitter perfect for that. So there's a little bit of that intrinsic to the whole thing too, I think. Yeah. But I think I we're mean, up but, against uh, it here in terms of time. But, 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 but promoters, too, are now starting to troll. You know I appreciate mean? it. I mean, I see, I see promoters and managers starting to troll now. You know, in, in turn, like what you just said right now, and, and after embracing what, what happened at that moment, what, what was really 
beautiful between two fighters. They want to kind of turn the narrative of saying, like, well, we got robbed. Instead of saying, like, hey, man, we didn't fight our fight because we might have got thrown off. Um, um, and we got to wrap it up, though. But we might have got th- thrown off, and, and what, you know, what case not. Rather than pushing that to make all fight fans want to see a third one, they're pushing for the Triple G fans to say, I don't want to see it because I think this guy won clear as day when it wasn't like that. Right. And, and that's my problem with some promoters. Like, we, you know, Tom is doing I – think, I think he did a great job. He stamped the whole Mexican style. But guess what? Your fighter didn't come out fighting Mexican style. He actually met a Mexican fighter. Now he's doing the people's champ. Now you have Jim Lampley falling into that, going like, oh, he's Ali Azik. And, yeah, and then you're not saying, yeah, and then you're not really saying, hey, listen, the guy showed up, he fought, and this is what happened, why we didn't fight. Instead of going as a, you know, if I was a promoter, instead of saying, you know what, it was a close fight, we, we probably didn't fight the fight we should have fought, and Canelo showed up. Let's do it again. And then let's make it in the center of the ring because now we know he's going to show up. Now we know what we're up against because we didn't train for that. Let's just do it. Let's do it again because it was such a close fight. That would right. make everybody go, man, let's watch it all over again. Anyways, brother, hey, man, hey, thanks for calling in. It was a great call. Everybody that's called in was fantastic. I got to get going. Gabriel's got to get going. Uh, we'll do it again next week on Monday here on Leaving the Ring at 6 p.m., 347-215-7598. Again, brother, I really appreciate it. I appreciate everybody that calls in. It was a fantastic. I had a lot of fun. As always, we're talking about Thank you, brother. Uh, Mr. Montoya, any final thoughts here on the show? No, man. Uh, I'm good. I mean, you know, I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I think we're way over time. I mean, I don't even be recording right now. So, <laughs> all right, man. That's all I got. <laughs> Again, don't drink your drive on the weekend. Take care of your family, and we'll talk to you guys soon next week here on Leave the Ring. Be good. Peace.